CBHDD is reminding people that the Georgia Crisis and Access Line can help those worried about opioid and stimulant misuse. The toll-free number is online and is active 24-7. More information at opioidresponse.info. And so we start another brand new week here on Political Rewind. It's Monday, March 29th, 2021. I'm glad to have everybody with us for the show today. I'm Bill Nygut. Um, a big week in Georgia politics. The legislature meets today for day 39 of their session. Tomorrow they'll uh, take a break from the actual session to work out uh, issues that they want to resolve in terms of some of the bills that are still pending and then they have day 40, the final day of the session, on Wednesday when they uh, have signee die. So we expect a couple of long days down at the Capitol, and there are still some very consequential bills that remain to be resolved, and we'll talk about some of them on the show today. Um, but uh, the headlines that continue to play here in Georgia and in Washington have to do with the quick signature by the governor after surprise pa- passage before people expected it to happen, of the uh, election bill, which has numerous provisions that uh, Republicans insist have to do with voter security, building confidence in elections here, and which, of course, Democrats and um, other voting rights activists say are efforts at voter suppression. There was a protest down at Atlanta City Hall over the weekend, and um, in Washington, Members of Congress appeared on some of the Sunday talk shows to say that they are going to push Democrats, pushing hard to get the Senate to take up a a sweeping federal voting reform bill that will add protections to some of the measures that states like Georgia have been looking at. So we'll talk about all that as well. Um, And then I want to spend a couple minutes talking about uh, the Park Cannon arrest on Thursday. Um, Still some conversation about why she was arrested after knocking on the governor's door, trying to get in to the uh, ceremony. The optics of it, if nothing else, were pretty awful. An African-American state representative led off in handcuffs by two white Georgia State Patrol officers. We'll talk about uh, that and a lot more. Great panel to do it, too. Jim Galloway is with us, former political columnist for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm glad to have you with us today, Jim. Happy to be here. Uh, It uh, has been an exciting weekend, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Lots of stuff going on this weekend in politics and elsewhere. Mayor Dina Holliday-Ingram, the mayor of East Point, is back with us today. Mayor, how are things in East Point this morning? Things are great, um, Bill. Thank you so much for the opportunity to join you guys this morning and be a part of Political Rewind again. But things are good. There's still no point like East Point. <laughs> hey, Mayor, real quick. Um, obviously, you're part of Fulton County, so you have n- numbers based on the county turnout. But what do you know about how people are doing with vaccinations in the city of East Point? How are your people in East Point doing in terms of getting vaccinated? So I can tell you that our people in East Point really want the vaccination. We've offered um, a vaccination in partnership with GenCare um, in last month. And we also are now having um, vaccinations at Impact Church, a local church in our city, on Thursdays. And so we have that locally. But Georgia International Convention Center is right next door. 
um, where um, folks can go in College Park, as well as um, the Delta Air Museum in Hapeville. So I, I know that there has been a lot of interest and a lot of people actually responding and getting vaccinated. The vaccine hesitancy, I think, is still there, but not as much as people anticipated. Um, and so we've seen a really good response and as well as continuing to share information about, you know, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium and other places. So people are, are getting appointments. And now that it's open to every Georgian 16 and over, right, I think um, we are primed to be able to have ample opportunities for them to be vaccinated. Um, you make an interesting point. Uh, there was early on uh, a lot of concern that African-Americans particularly would be reluctant to be vaccinated given past medical horrors that are still fresh in many people's minds. But the national polling shows that, in fact, that's turned around entirely. And, and in fact, um, uh, African-Americans want the vaccine at the same basic rate as as, uh, white people out there do. So you you make a good point about the fact that hesitancy doesn't exist the way it might have early on, Dina. Yes, and it's really been an access issue, right? Like making sure that there are opportunities for vaccination in communities of color. Um, I know given the data in Fulton County um, and advocacy by mayors, the Fulton County Health Equity Initiative was initiated where mayors can refer um, people who might not be able to get online, right, um, and don't have access to technology, but to ensure access to all residents. And so we're making those referrals. We tell people call our office and then we can refer them directly and they'll get the phone call. So I think there's been a lot of good movement around equity, around access, and the hesitancy is low. Yeah, good. Uh, Brian Robinson is with us as well. He, of course, is a a longtime Republican political consultant, former communications uh, director for the former uh, governor of Georgia, and uh, now runs his own firm, Robinson Republic, founder and president of that firm, uh, Brian, welcome back to Political Rewind. It's been a few weeks. You said to me a couple of weeks ago, man, things are getting busy in my life. I'd better beg yeah. off for a while, but we're so glad to have you yeah. back. No, nah, thanks for keeping me on the radar. Yeah, you know, this time of year was so much popping. It, um, uh, it, uh, and what I do for a living, of course, is writing. But you can't just you know, do on a dime, so I always have a plan for it. But also, I want to say happy birthday to you. <laughs> well, Thank you, Brian Robinson. I appreciate that. It's true. I did have a birthday, a very quiet uh, birthday yesterday, but thanks for mentioning that. Renee Alegria is back with us, too, uh, president and CEO of Mundo Hispanico Digital. Renee, thank you for joining us. How are things for you? Thanks for having me, Bill. Things are good. Things are, uh, you know, the sun is shining today. The tornadoes seem to have moved on and passed us, so looking uh looking like uh not as dramatic a week for georgia as as last week at least weather wise uh renee let me as long as um the ball's in your court um we know that um the hispanic community like the african-american community is those are two communities where there's been some concern about whether there's going to be access to the vaccine as there has been in in other communities. Um, what, what's happening with vaccinations in the Hispanic community? Are there plenty of opportunities for people to get vaccinated? Well, the opportunities are, are, are the same as they are for all of the other communities throughout Georgia. But what, what we have an issue with is just making sure the right information is being passed and given to our community 
in the way that they prefer it. Um, in, in so many cases, Spanish language, that's what we do at Mundo Hispanico, is we you know, make sure our community has everything that they need, uh, whether it be uh, for, for a vaccine, where to get it, the, the pros and cons to, you know, where to, where to vote. Um, but that that's single-handedly the, the the biggest issue, and and it's and it's been tough. I mean, our our community is mistrustful of uh, what is official um, because of past experience with what that official messaging is uh, in, in these last few years. Okay, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, more about the pandemic uh, a little later in the show, particularly. Um, uh, revolving around Governor Kemp's upcoming announcement that he's lifting virtually all restrictions that had been put in place in the state. And we'll get to that in a short while. But Jim Galloway, let me start with the ongoing fallout over the governor's signature of the kind of sweeping election change bill. Um, And and let me recap for people. Most uh, observers of the legislature and many of the legislators themselves had expected that these big omnibus bills, one in the House, one in the Senate, kind of combined together, that that was one of those bills that was going to come down to day 40 and get signed or get approved at the last minute. People might not know some of the provisions that were in, what was out. In fact, they moved it very quickly last week. And Governor Kemp took the bill and with a little more than an hour signed it in a private um, session, which, Jim, for an observer like you, doesn't happen very often. No, it doesn't. And it and 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 that kind of haste signals that that it is the, the that the governor wanted something. He wanted credit for it, but he wanted it off the table just as soon as possible. <laughs> Uh, I mean, the images, the two images we have of of that 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 signing. Uh, of course, we have we have uh, we have video of of uh, uh, State Representative Park Cannon rapping on the large large oak door, and uh, uh, to 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 be allowed in, and then getting herself arrested. And then we have the photo of of the governor in a in a, in a downstairs anteroom uh, with. Uh, with six other white men signing the bill, uh, it's you know it's it's I, I will to me and 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 Brian may may disagree with me. I think this whole episode, the way it was handled, tells me that the governor's top priority right now is surviving a GOP primary. That this was all about this was all about uh, creating an image. For for the for 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 Donald Trump supporters in Georgia, uh, and uh, he, he's kind of letting himself uh, uh, letting uh, November twenty twenty two take care of itself. Uh, Brian, what, what's your response to what Jim's saying? Well, obviously the primary is going to be front and center for Governor Kemp. That's to be expected, and you can't see any decision in that first term not through a political lens. I don't care what party you are or who you are. Now, this is particularly different because we have a scenario where the former president is uh, uh, obsessed with Governor Kemp. Uh, last week, endorsed a challenger to the Secretary of State with whom Trump is also obsessed. So, you know, Kemp knows that the playing field is uh, perilous, and 
I, I think that he has navigated the politics of it as uh, wisely and strategically uh, as is possible. Because look, this guy was thrown into an impossible situation back in November and December, and he just kept his head up, kept moving forward. And I think over time, the outrage from the left and the media on this bill will go down because a lot of what is being said about it, I would say all of the attacks on it are, are lies. You know, the New York Times uh, lead last week was this is going to restrict access to voting. No, it's not. I promise you, yeah, mark this down. Somebody, everybody in the, who, who's listening to this, mark this down. Turnout in 2022 will not be down. It will not be down because of this law, because it does not restrict access. Dina, weigh in on that. So, so I say turnout in 2022 will not be down, not because the bill doesn't restrict access, because it does, but because the people who voted will continue to be resilient and regardless of the rules will continue to vote. Um, I, I think it's hard to ignore the fact that this bill criminalizes humanity. If you give a bottle of water to someone who is in line who may be thirsty, then that is a crime. And I think, you know, a lot of times, you know, um, a lot of these legislators talk about religion and Christianity. But, I mean, in Matthew, it says, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. And the fact that there is a provision in a bill that says you cannot give people water, I think it speaks to the real intent and motivation behind the bill. Um, while, yes, you know, there's still... Of um, drop box um, drop box locations that can be used, they're limited. It provides restrictions. I remember waking up on Friday morning after the governor signed the bill on Thursday, and I heard a reporter say, "This is a bill that is um, what is it? It's a solution in search of a problem." And it was, you know, a problem problems that were not founded. There was not only a machine recount, there was a hand recount. And so when you talk about you know, what What brought, What was it trying to, what is this bill really trying to address? If the, we want more people to vote, and historically, I mean, broke, breaking our records, more people voted, then it would, I mean, reason says that what was in place works, and let's keep doing what works, not try to restrict it and limit it and, and, and you know, reduce access. And who are we really targeting if it is not people of color who turned out in record number black people who turned out in record number right like who are we really targeting and let's have real conversations about that but you know it has been called the jim crow, crow 2.0 and I, I think you know when again there was no problem it's a solution in search of a problem i think that's why those um allegations or accusations are being made and again when you criminalize humanity i, I think you know it, it stands the reason that people don't have very little faith about the real intent of this bill. Renee, why don't you jump in on this too? This is uh, this is exciting in 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 so many ways. Um, I mean, it's going to be fascinating to see how how it all rolls out. But I mean, we have to we have to remember that there was no fraud, no fraud. Fraud has been rejected by top state election officials. It's been dismissed at courts at every level throughout the state. Um, what, I, what I do think, though, that this has done, the images, I mean, and they're stark. They're dramatic. I mean, you see that video of 
um, Representative Cannon being, you know, held. Uh, and, and it just makes you think of all of the, the, the civil rights issues that have been at play for decades and decades, uh, most recently in the last couple of years with George Floyd, et cetera, et cetera. And you see Kemp signing in what looks like a bunker, like a war bunker, right, under the darkness of night. And it just makes you think that there is something wrong here. I think that this will galvanize a whole coalition that will not be good for Republicans. Um, I mean, we had spent Mundo Hispanico, for example, we had track all things uh, Hispanic, how it relates to the state. Uh, you know, Biden's 36,000 vote margin among Latinos was more than double his overall winning margin in the state. The Asian community, um, that community really coalesced to vote with Hispanics, with African Americans, um, to flip the state blue. Um, and I do think that there is a younger generation out there that just sees this as, as being the political machinations that need to be changed, overturned, et cetera. And so it's uh, – go ahead, Bill. No, no, finish. So, so I, I, I think that what, what, what happened, the, the signing, how it's going to affect I, – I, I agree with Brian that you know, it might be great for the, for the, the governor in the primary, but overall, uh, it, it's, it's, it's going to be a negative Right, Jim, I want to kind of go back and pick up on, on Brian's uh, uh, assertion that the New York Times is only one of many um, news organizations that reported that this new uh, series of laws is going to suppress, but is an effort to suppress minority votes, calling it that those reporting, that reporting lies. Jim, on one hand, it is certainly true and, and Brian would you know, give him a chance in a sec, point to this, I think. It is certainly true that Republicans dropped their uh, effort to end Sunday early voting, souls to the polls. It is also uh, certainly true that they decided to drop uh, the uh, uh, measure which would have ended no excuse absentee balloting. I mean, I th those are things that Republicans will be able to look at and point to and say, no, we're actually uh, uh, helping people of continuing to help people vote more easily. At the same time, Jim, um, there are you now have an 11-day deadline to be able to send an, a request for an absentee ballot. That's a long time before Election Day. Drop boxes are being limited, eliminated in, in uh, some communities. They, are, they have to be inside an early voting location. They have to have some kind of security personnel watching them, and the big one, the state now takes unto itself the power to step in and take over an election if they believe that a local election office is underperforming. And those are the kinds of measures that people are pointing to and saying these are examples of trying to suppress the uh, minority vote. Yeah, look, um, uh, the South is a sophisticated place. Uh, they don't. They, you, you you will not see you will not see voter suppression in written in neon 
in a statute. Uh, there are ways. There are there are ways to accomplish that without without uh, without using any without using the trigger words. And as far as look, I agree with Brian. I think you know. I th- I think uh, uh, turnout in, in November twenty twenty two is going to be out the window. It, and and because just basically because we we are our our voting pool has been growing for quite some time. That doesn't mean that there's not point shaving in 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 Senate Bill two hundred two. Uh, you had mentioned you had mentioned the state power to take over uh, 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 poor, poor, poor performing uh, election operations in in counties. Uh, I would also point to the play, to the the portion of the bill that says that that bars counties from taking grants from private organizations that allowed them to reduce their lines and 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 uh, and. Uh, uh, so and so become very well performing counties. So you're going to have some extra extra lines, and I I would also point you to the minutia in here. That's 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 actually quite quite important. I think, I, and I think the people are, are overlooking this. Uh, number one, uh, there's a provision in there that would allow any voter in Georgia to challenge the voting uh, worthiness of any of his fellows, his or her fellows, an unlimited number. Uh, we saw this in Columbus, where you had hundreds of people uh, 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 challenged by, by a, a Republican voting group. Uh, if you re- recall back in 2015, over in Hancock County, uh, uh, for the 2015 municipal rela- uh, election, elections in Sparta, the little town of Sparta, 174 uh, uh, voters were challenged. Their worthiness to vote were, was challenged. Uh, most of them were black. Uh, it, it happens. The other part is is there is a there is also a portion of the bill that uh, would allow uh, state lawmakers. This this bill puts ex- uh, quite a bit of influence. It really incre- increases the influence of, of the legislature in elections. It it allows individual uh, or or say uh, uh, two or three lawmakers in the House in the Senate to to bring up a county election supervisor up before the state election board on charges of 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 malfeasance misfeasance and you can see that be you can see that that could happen uh that that could be quite a a a a powerful tool uh if if you're if you're in, involved in the counting of votes um Brian I want to give you a Quick chance to to respond to all that, but 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 then I think we probably on this show are going to agree that we we disagree necessarily on whether this bill does in fact suppress uh, votes. But but Brian, go ahead and take a shot at it, because then I want to move on to a couple of other issues that relate very specifically to this. Yeah, it's impossible to respond to all of those accusations, most of which I disagree with in a short period of time. It would take the, it would take the entire show. Let me say what you're going to see here in, in reality, in practicality, is this will expand access. People, there was so much focus on souls to the polls, but we have more weekend voting now. We've expanded early voting in this state. And let me tell you what, you know who doesn't have early voting at all? Joe Biden's home state of Delaware. Where's the outrage? Why is he not talking about Jim Crow or, as he said, Jim Eagle uh, in his news conference? Why is he talking about that in his home state? Why is he not talking about the Democratic states that have photo ID requirements for absentee ballots? You know, we had photo ID uh, for 2020 for absentee if you went through the state portal to get your ballot. You got cross-referenced with the DDS 
uh, the driver's license uh, database. So we, we've already done it. It works. Um, the idea that that only white people have IDs is ludicrous. I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense. And let me tell you, you know, when we put in photo ID for in-person voting, same thing. Voter suppression, voter suppression. Where was it? I mean, voter turnout has has ballooned over the last 10 years. No one has registered more minority voters in Georgia than the Republicans who have held office over the last 10 years in this state. They have uh, done automatic registration. They, you know, it was Republicans who put in the drop boxes in response to the pandemic last year. Uh, we are putting drop boxes into law for the first time in this bill. They were not in law and they would have gone away if they had not been put in there. So at the end of the day, uh, we are diminishing what Jim Crow was by making that comparison. Jim Crow was a, a assault on human rights throughout 100 years of our history. And to compare this benign voter security law to that diminishes the history of this state. And, uh, and that's it. Uh, Renee and Dina, uh, I do think it's worth pointing out that uh, Brian's right. It was certainly Republicans who expanded automatic uh, voting registration. Brian Kemp was one of the people who did that as Secretary of State. We should also mention that Republicans in the Capitol this session uh, looked to try to eliminate automatic registration, pulled back from it uh, when the pre- it seemed they realized that it was probably uh, uh, going to cause them more trouble than it was worth. So uh, I mean, there were efforts to do things that could have been even more troublesome, but Republicans saw there was a price to pay, it appeared, Renee. I, I think that uh, timing is everything, and it, the timing of this bill, the, the way it was signed, it smacks of desperation from a, a party that sees itself uh, backed up against a corner uh, and looks at the demographics of the change in the state as being almost insurmountable. So change the rules. Um, Dina, I, we're going to have to get to a break, but I want to take up another uh, a quick issue uh, with with you. For two issues, really, um, and one we'll do before the break. Um, it now appears, Dina, that um, while Republicans are doing as much as they can to, as Brian is, is uh, doing on the show, to dispel the notion that this uh, is all about voter suppression. Uh, There are organizations out there that are concerned about this. The Boston Globe reports that the head of the Major League Baseball Players Union is going to be discussing whether the All-Star game uh, should be moved from Atlanta in the aftermath of Governor Kemp signing the bill. Uh, The Los Angeles Dodgers manager, Dave Roberts, who is a black manager, one of two in the league, said he would consider declining to manage the game if it is held in Atlanta. Um, National Black Justice Coalition is urging the PGA to pull the Masters from the Augusta National Golf Club. That's probably not going to happen. And a Washington Post columnist has joined those who have called on Atlanta to lose a shot at hosting the Final Four and becoming one of the 16 venues for the 2026 World Cup. We also have at least one Los Angeles uh, movie and TV director who has said, uh, James Mangold, who does some of the Marvel stuff, who has said, I'm not going to make any more movies in Georgia. So uh, Republicans are going to have a hard time convincing people like that that uh, this bill is in fact perfectly fine. 
Yeah, and I think it goes back to what Renee said, timing, but also intent. I mean, when you look at what has happened, again, this is a solution in search of a problem. Absolutely no fraud. All of the allegations dispelled, um, not proven. Um, you had the insurrection on the federal government, on the Capitol. I mean, there's just a number of things that have come about visually that show that this country, our democracy is at stake and that there is a real clear divide in this country and that what the question becomes, what is the motivation? If there was no voter fraud or any widespread voter fraud in the state of Georgia, why are we making changes? And yes, you know, it's great that we have automatic registration, but that is exactly why we don't need to require a photo ID, a copy of a photo ID for an absentee ballot. The state already has it. The state already did it in this election compared, you know, was able to pull up the information through their systems. And so why add additional requirements when it's already working? Again, it's timing and intent and what is the real motive and what perception is reality, right? And so I think that those are the challenges, and that is what corporations and businesses are responding to. Okay, got to get to our first break of the show. We'll be back with more, a little more on this uh, uh, issue that we've already been discussing, and then we've got more to move on to today on Political Rewind. Thanks for listening to Political Rewind. If you like this show, you'll also like Georgia Today. It's a daily podcast from GPB News, bringing you compelling stories and in-depth reporting that you won't hear anywhere else. Join me, Peter Biello, for this quick and convenient way to get the best of GPB News' extensive coverage of the topics that matter to you, delivered directly to your device every weekday afternoon. East Point Mayor Dina Holiday Ingram, GOP political consultant and president of Robinson Republic, Brian Robinson, Renee Alegria, president and CEO of Mundo Hispanico Digital, and Jim Galloway. The only place you can now get your fill of Jim Galloway's political analyst is here now on Political Rewind, and we're very, very glad about that. Uh, Jim, I, I, I'm really eager to hear, um, and I want to especially Brian Robinson, but also uh, Dina and uh, or Mayor Ingram and Renee on this. Um, the Park Cannon arrest, the optics, which I mentioned at the top of the show, which people have talked about, obviously, an African-American legislator uh, hauled away in handcuffs, charged, I think, with two felonies. I've seen no uh, stories that suggest that the charges have been uh, dropped. Um, but, but here's what I want to ask about. Um, it, it seemed, Jim, that Governor Kemp had an opportunity in the hours after that arrest, which happened around 6.30 in the evening after he'd signed the bill, to get ahead of the news cycle what was clearly going to be a negative story about uh, Park Cannon's arrest. And he remained silent about it. You, you might have expected something like, we weren't aware that she was causing a disruption uh, we weren't aware she was being arrested. I mean, there could have been something to ameliorate the situation. Um, and instead, he remained silent. And, and I reached out last night to um, Cody Hall, his communications director, and said, is the governor going to say anything? Uh, and his response was, um, we referred the comment to the Department of Public Safety because they made the arrest. Um, the agency put out a statement detailing why they took the action they did. 
That doesn't ha have anything to do say about whether the governor thinks that was the right action and by being quiet, what that means. No, I mean, uh, I mean, clearly they're attempting to disassociate themselves from it. But but you can't tell me that the governor doesn't uh, doesn't doesn't oversee the the State Department of Public Safety. And if he would were to pick up the phone, or his chief of staff were to pick up the phone and say, uh, "Let's lose these charges," that that would happen. I mean, I'm I'm still I'm trying I'm 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 still looking through the Georgia code for that section on felonious door knocking. Uh, uh, I, 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 you know, I, I, it, 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 it law, state lawmakers have immunity from arrest uh, during the session, and the only, th the only thing I, th I think one of the few things that she might be charged with is, is, is breach of the public peace, uh, yeah, by rapping yeah. on a door. Uh, it, it doesn't, yeah. it, but, but, but I, I will go back. I will go back to, to the fact that. All of this is being done through the prism of a Republican primary, and and uh, arresting Park Cannon uh, is, is not offensive to most Republican voters under those circumstances. I, I, I would I would venture to say I would I would I would uh, I think they would they would say uh, oh she tried to break into a, uh, into a governor's uh, uh, news conference slash speech and she deserved what she got. Brian, I thinking about your former boss, Governor Nathan Deal, and the way he tended, um, especially as he moved on into his tenure, to try to be a more moderating force, I find it hard to imagine he wouldn't have said something about Park Cannon and found some way to say that uh, he wishes it hadn't happened. Uh, we don't have to guess. You know, the same thing happened to us. And, and I forget yes, what Yes, Williams. Uh, that was after me. When I was there, I, left, I was there 2011 through 2015. And, uh, you know, at some juncture, uh, then State Senator Vincent Ford, who actually has gone on to be a friend of mine, somebody I've gotten to know through your show, Bill, actually, uh, he did a sit-in in the in the governor's office front. Uh, the business hours ended. The Capitol was closing. The troopers asked him to leave. They gave him uh, a grace period, asked him to leave again. He didn't and was carted out in, in handcuffs. But that was what Vincent was trying to do. He wanted the visual of him in handcuffs leaving the Capitol. He wasn't hurt. He wasn't charged with anything. He wasn't booked at the jail. He was just taken out of the Capitol. And to Jim's point about felonious door knocking, uh, Representative Cannon is not going to be charged with a felony. She's not going to be charged with anything. She was just being removed, and she got exactly what she wanted. Now, this isn't hurting her rights. This is fulfilling her desires. She wanted media coverage. She wanted a photo. She wanted the optic, and she got it. She got exactly what she wanted, and she is none, none the worse for it. I mean, she's not going to be hurt, and Jim says it's about the, uh, the prism of a Republican primary. This is about the prism of a Democratic and media narrative that Georgia is doing something oppressive, and it's not. And it's forwarding that narrative that we are doing something outrageous when all the facts that I gave in, in the first half of the show point out why it's not and why these, corpora these corporations say they're not coming here. They don't know what they're talking about. They haven't read the bill. They've read the New York Times. They don't know. Mayor Ingram? 
Yes. Yeah, so my understanding is that Representative Park Cannon wanted to be included in a room with six white men plus the governor, a white man, signing um, what is being considered a voting suppression bill with a photo. And I haven't checked the veracity of this, but allegedly the photo on the wall was of a well-known slave plantation. Um, in the room and it's center. It's I, I don't know if it's true. I'm just saying that's that's what's out there. And so if that is the case, those optics are bad. What she wanted was to be able to be in the room. And as black women, oftentimes we have to, you know, push to make that happen. Why did she, as a representative, not have the right to be in the room with the other folks that were in the room? Um, it clearly wasn't a closed meeting because there were people who were in the room. So to say she got exactly what she wanted, what she got. She did get two felony charges, so I'm not sure, you know, what what news you're me- reading or what information you have. But to my knowledge, she's been charged with a felony of obstructing law enforcement, as well as disrupting the general assembly session. Um, and so those are two felonies that she's charged with that have not been dropped. And as um, as was indicated, she's immune from arrest while while being in the general assembly. So you know, I, I find it interesting to be able to say she got what she wanted. She's a black female in America who wanted to be at the table and as a state representative, and I'm sure the others in there were elected officials, either representatives or senators, she tried to get into the room. Um, but that was met with arrest. Unlike the insurrectionists at the Capitol, at the federal Capitol, U.S. Capitol, who were screaming and, and all up in white male law enforcement officers' faces, and they got treated with respect and courtesy. Right. Like we we're still trying to find people who were there because they weren't arrested on site. But she's knocking on the door and there's a, a, a photo contrast out there of her knocking on the door and them standing in the face. And she's getting carted off in in um, handcuffs. And so when you talk about this nation's past and this history and it continues to manifest itself in this way. Again, what is the time, the timing, the intent and the motivation? And you're going to be swimming upstream when those images continue to pop up. So I want to get you in here, Renee. I do want to point out that fact-checking on the, on the painting, which is in the background of the, the picture, the photograph of Kemp signing this uh, bill, um, indicates that that, that um, mansion, that plantation, was actually built in, in the post-slavery in 1869. So there has been some misinformation out there about it. I, I understand there is perhaps reconstructed or moved there a slave cabin on that site. Uh, so th- that's just my understanding. I, I also, Thank Renee, you. I understand Mayor Ingram's passion about this. I, I'm wondering, though, if saying that law enforcement at the Capitol didn't arrest white demonstrators who massed by the hundreds, if not thousands, uh, to begin arresting them at that moment of the insurrection might have created much more danger for the law enforcement uh, officers themselves. So I'd have to suggest that maybe we should think about whether they're really comparable situations. But, Renee, make your point. No, that that, that is a good point. But still, in... in in our perception, what we just witnessed in on January 6th, what we saw in the storming of the nation's capital, you know, here we have Representative Cannon being forcibly removed. It's 
as we as we've discussed, it's it's bad optics, and I do think that the argument of she got what she deserved, she got what she wanted, this does not ring so well with many Georgians, particularly women of color, particularly people of color. It it doesn't it it doesn't work, and it's not going to when it's time to go to the polls. Um. All right, let's do this. Let's take our final break of the show. And when we come back, um, let's take up another issue that's in the news right now. Uh, Governor Kemp is about to end restrictions uh, that he had put in place through his emergency orders on coronavirus because of the coronavirus. Let's talk about the implications of that and more after these messages. Jim Galloway, Renee Alegria, Mayor Dina Holiday Ingram, and Brian Robinson, who is on fire uh, today, <laughs> are all on the show with us today. Brian Robinson. And listen, I know how many of you out there like to give Brian Robinson a hard time on Facebook, on Twitter, or whatever. And that's fine. He understands that. He's a big boy. But here's my point. This show has always been about trying to give voice to people who you may not necessarily agree with. It is the other side of the conversation. And I am very glad, even when he's at his passionate best, that we have people who we may disagree with, who we may fact check, but they're here to help have a balance, a more balanced conversation. So that's my little speech about that right now. Thank you, um, Bill. Brian? And, and Bill, can I, well, can, I add, can I add very quickly there that if Republicans or anybody, any party in the Georgia General Assembly did anything to take away the rights of legal voters, and if it was particularly a disparate impact on minority voters, I would be speaking out against it. I believe okay, I think in the rights of every Georgian you, you might, Yeah, I think you probably would, but I, you may be misinterpreting what some of these uh, measures in the law, now that we have in books, really do try to do. But I don't want I want to stop that part of the conversation. Um, Jim, the, the governor's going to lift all restrictions. Um, we're going to have big gatherings again. I think, you know, maybe concerts, uh, uh, maybe nightclubs uh, reopening. And, um, you know, the governor has been criticized over and over for putting business interests ahead of public health, public safety, and, and he's going to end up getting criticized for this as well. But his argument in response would be, Georgia's done no worse or no better than most other states with different kinds of restrictions. That's not quite true. We've had a somewhat higher death count and we've had more coronavirus uh, cases. But I think he would also point to Florida and say they lifted every they didn't have any restrictions and they've done all right. I mean, what I'm saying is it's we can be critical of him, but it's so hard to calculate how this is all coming down. And, and look, and and part of this is is just kind of the uh, the, the pattern of pandemics. It, it's not there is no immediate gratification in, in solving a pandemic. I mean, you, you go, you go into lockdown and you don't know whether it's worked or not for two weeks, you raise the lockdown and you don't know whether that has hurt or harmed your cause for another two or three weeks. And there's all these intervening, uh, conditions that, that, that 
that are also in in play. I mean, Georgia has look. Georgia is in many ways in the same boat as 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 several other states, but it does have a very low vaccination rate overall. Uh, uh, we have had a a, a problem that's a, a logistical problem of getting the vaccine to 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 uh, to to underserved populations. We're getting at that. Uh, but and as and as far as look, this has been uh, say what you will about about Brian Kemp. He is this he is he is operating under uh, under the same philosophy that he expressed during the 2018 election, and that is when it comes when it comes to striking the balance between healthcare and and economic development. He gives priority to economic development. His, his theory is: you, if you don't have economic development, you don't have health care. And so, and 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 he has followed followed through with that. The AJC had a, a, a uh, Alan Judd over the AJC had a, a, a terrific piece on that that looked looked through fifteen thousand emails uh, between the governor's office and and the Department of uh, Public Health and found that Kathleen Toomey and and Brian Kemp did disagree vociferously on the pace at which uh, Georgia was opening back in back in May and June and uh, to the point that, that Toomey uh, uh, began speaking to, the, to, to, to Kemp through her lawyer through through the staff lawyer uh, but so so it's look it's it, it's 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 hard but I, I'm just I'm just hoping that the 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 pace of vaccine here in Georgia will 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 step up and kind of rem- get us past these arguments over opening and closing um uh, Renee uh, uh, the piece that uh, Jim refers to by Alan Judd uh, was based on uh, a request um, for uh, emails and communications between the governor's staff and uh, public health officials and uh, Judd does show that in many cases uh, the governor chose business over what the advice might have been from his public health experts, Kathleen Toomey, uh, specifically. Uh, so, you know, right now the AJC, it never has been, but it's especially today not his favorite newspaper. But it, 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 it is, you know, we're watching that balance between business and public health and seeing different states with governors who take one side or the other of that. Yeah, listen, I, I read that piece and it was incredibly informative. I mean, he, he, and it showed uh, that that Camp repeatedly disregarded advice from Toomey back then, and we're seeing it play out again now. Which you know, we're at we're at this this unenviable enviable position for him uh, to make the right call, and it's and it's tough. It is, it is. It's a it's a difficult time for us all, right? But when 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 you take a look at recent history, and you take a look at, for example, uh, Dr. Burke's uh, interview with Sanjay Gupta on CNN, and y- you know you come away thinking, wait, every life after we lost one hundred thousand, that that number, which totaled about four hundred thousand, beyond that could have been drastically reduced had we moved faster with measures. That just happened, what, on Friday, that, that interview? It, it, it plays in your mind with, okay, here we are. We're, we're, we're not out of the woods. We're, we're all being vaccinated or, you know, we're, we're trying to get that vaccine. Um, 
why open up everything now when when stats are rising? Um, look, the Hispanic community has been hit so hard by COVID. Um, the, the, the entrepreneurs that are the pillar of the Hispanic community have been hit so hard. We want to get back to business and life as normal, but at what cost? And, you know, you take a look at 1,000 deaths still every day in this country. That's a 9-11 every three days. Um, we're not there yet, you know? So it's 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 a little premature in, in, in my opinion, and we'll, we'll, we'll see how, how the rest of the spring plays out. Brian, uh, it, it seems to me the issue with sort of doing what I did, which is to say, well, we got to have a balance between business interests and public health, which is what the governor's trying to achieve here. The, the problem with saying that in a somewhat cavalier way is that it ignores the fact that we're heading toward 19,000 Georgians who have died from COVID-19 or related uh, uh, illnesses. And um, that's a riveting number, Brian. Sure. And, you know, the problem with the idea that, that uh, by opening the economy, we are cavalier about death, it, it's false. And it, it, it's, a, it's a false trade-off because let the economy implode, which Governor Kemp did not do, save lives too. Uh, and getting our economy going has been good for Georgia families. Our unemployment rate is lower than most of the country. Governor Kemp deserves a lot of credit for that. You know, when he opened, you know, tattoo parlors and bowling alleys and all that and gyms back in the spring of last year, the national media headlines were about, go ahead and start building the mass graves in Georgia. You know, it was completely sensationalized. And guess what? Georgia's outcomes are not substantively different than the restrictive states that today have higher unemployment rates. So I, at this juncture, am willing to put my eggs in Brian Kemp's basket because he's made choices and he's been proven right. Dina, I want to give you a chance to respond to this. We're running out of time, but I definitely want you to weigh in. Yeah, so I I would just say in order for you there to be any focus on business or sustaining business, you have to have people who work in them and people to buy their goods or services. And so you have to prioritize people. Um, and make sure that we're doing all that we can for that. I mean, I, I, I believe that Georgians and definitely East Pointers will continue to follow the safety guidelines because they've had to become, have, have had to become the governor's, mayor's, you know, persons of their own homes and understand what is really at stake and have lost loved ones. And so, you know, the reality of it is, I, I agree, I think it might be too premature. Um, but, you know, when we were the second city in the state to put a mask mandate in place on July 6th, and it wasn't challenged by the governor, that was because we felt it was necessary and the people were already sheltering in place and will continue to do so. Mayor Dina Holiday Ingram, East Point, thank you. You get the final word on today's edition of Political Rewind, and thank you so much for being with us. Renee Alegria, Mundo Hispanico, we're very happy to have you here. Jim Galloway, you as well. Brian Robinson, you sound, you know, you're all geared up for the 2022 election cycle. You've got your talking point down. Thank you for being here, Brian. We're out of time for today's show. We're back with you tomorrow, of course, with another edition of Political Rewind. In the meantime, take care, stay healthy, wear your mask, and go get your vaccine. See you all tomorrow.